So, I wanted to kick off just by asking you a question to reflect upon. Um, have you been baptized? And what does baptism mean to you? Have you been baptized? And what does baptism mean to you? Well, last week, I don't know if you remember, but it snowed. It snowed big time here in Sheffield. It was crazy. Um, and I was really buzzing. I've got a one-year-old son called Isaac, and I was ready for his first snow day. We've got him all kitted out. We're going to build a snowman. I'll take him on a sledge. We'll do like a snowball fight. It's going to be amazing, like the movies. And this is the noise my son made when we got him out in the snow. <laughs> he hated it. He hated every second of it, and he couldn't wait to be inside, and he cried all day. Um, but that, that wasn't great. But I did see something really awesome in the snow. I, I saw this image that really struck me. It really stuck with me. I thought, that is a beautiful thing. And it's going to come up on the screen behind me. It is the daffodils coming through the snow. I don't know if you've ever seen daffodils coming through the snow. But I think it's so beautiful. I love springtime. Anyone think spring is the best month of the year? Anyone like summer? Winter? Oh, no. Autumn? And a lot of people abstaining from voting there. That's fine. I love the daffodil through snow because much like baptism, what does baptism mean to you? What does it mean to me? It means new life. It means the daffodils through the snow. And I, I love this concept that in the darkest times in the winter, the snow and ice that covers the ground, there looks like there can be no life. And yet we have these beautiful flowers springing through springing through the snow, and it is incredible. But I think baptism means new life, and it means new life in kind of three distinct ways. It's kind of new life, that moment you come out of the water, and it's symbolized right there in that moment. But then it's new life as you recall your baptism through the days, the weeks, the months, and the years after you've been baptized, as you face the ups and the downs of life, that new life that carries you through. And finally, it's the new life as we go into the next, the new life of eternity. But I love the daffodil in the snow because most of us are in that middle category where we've been baptized before, and we're struggling through the ups and the downs, and the winters come and go, and sometimes the snow comes and covers the earth of our lives. But we can remember that there's new life in Jesus, and those daffodils, they always come through at springtime. You see, I think that baptism and new life, it, it really, what baptism does is it tells the story of the Christian faith. It tells the story of the Bible in one very simple motion down into water and up into new life. And it tells this whole story of the Bible. And did you know the Bible has got 66 different books that make up this massive book? It's got over 40 different authors. And they're all telling the same story. They're all telling a story of death to life. If we go to this next slide, James, because death to life, it's a story of chaos to order. And it's a story of slavery to freedom. This is the story that the Bible tells in many different ways through many different authors. And if you had to pick one central story that encapsulated these, these kind of, uh, this dichotomy here, what one story would you pick? If you had to pick, yes. <laughs> what was that? 
We'll move on. Um, so if you don't know what to say in church, just say Jesus. You're probably right. You're actually wrong in this case. I'm actually going to go with a, a different answer. Jesus probably is one of the right answers. But one of my lecturers at university, he was like, people think Jesus is the core story of the Bible. It's actually the Exodus narrative. The Israelites coming from Egypt into the promised land. And he reckoned, this Hebrew scholar, he was like, the whole Bible is built around this central story and everything looks back and forward to it. And Jesus is this beautiful retelling of the Exodus narrative that makes it relative for everybody else. So when I say Exodus, do you know what I mean? We've got a new slide. Hopefully this will help you. There can be miracles when you believe. I'll start there. <laughs> so Exodus, the story of Moses, beautifully depicted by DreamWorks in The Prince of Egypt, 1998. If you haven't seen it, it's a beautiful film. But to recap that story, it's a story of slavery, right? The, Egypt, the Israelites, they had lots of, um, there was a promise for a man called Abraham that his descendants would become many. They'd bless the whole earth. Through Joseph and his technicolor dream coat, they go to Egypt. They, get in, they, they thrive in Egypt. They do really, really well in Egypt at the end of Genesis. Then season two starts in Exodus, and they've been in, in uh, slavery for 400 years. Pharaoh's got scared because they've become so many, and he's put them into slavery. It's this great um, racial oppression that happens in Egypt as a whole kind of people group are enslaved. And then this is God's child, right? And so God says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to redeem my people. And that's the first time we hear the word redeem. It's where it comes from. And it means to be freed from slavery. And he says, Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And I will bring them out of slavery. And you know what happens? There's this great battle between God and the Egyptian gods. He sends the plagues. Moses says, please. Pharaoh's like, no. Moses, please, no. Eventually, Pharaoh's like, just go. Then the Israelites go. Then Pharaoh changes his mind, and they chase the Israelites. So there's this next movement. So we've got slavery. We've got God's promise to redeem. Then we've got the exit from Egypt. The Israelites are going. But then the Egyptian army are following them. They've got chariots. They're going to come and slaughter all the Israelites. They come to the Red Sea. They're stuck. They've got sea here, they've got the army here. Moses cries out to the Lord, save us. And the Lord, he parts the Red Sea. And the Israelites, they go through the sea. You know the story well. And then as they get to the other side, the waters come in. We get salvation. The waters come in, they enclose over the Egyptians and they wipe away the oppressors. And the Egyptians walk into freedom and then at the other end we get the first worship song ever recorded it wasn't Matt Redman it was Miriam uh, who was with the Israelites and she declares the salvation of the Lord and it's the first time we hear the word salvation it's where we get that word from and it means to be saved from danger so we have this simple story of slavery God's promise to redeem the exit from Egypt and salvation and the same thing happens in baptism that's the story that we relive when we watch what we watch this evening we have slavery to our own desires we're enslaved this this notion that we are held captive 
by oppressive things, that we are essentially selfish beings at our very core, and we want to be the gods of our lives, and we, we grab and we take, and we do the things that are gonna help us thrive, but ultimately we end up causing ourselves damage and feeling trapped by our desires and our wants, and we can often end up in an unhelpful place. But God promises to redeem. All throughout scripture it says, repent, Turn away from that selfishness. Turn towards me, for the kingdom of God is coming. Turn away, for the kingdom of God is coming, and be baptized. So we're enslaved, but God promises to redeem. And then he shows us an exit. And just like with the Israelites who who walk through, God makes a way for us by declaring that he is good, by simply sharing testimony, like we heard this evening, saying, this is what my life is like. But I'm turning to Jesus because he is going to bring me redemption. And then finally, we have salvation. The Lord, as we go down into the waters, which represent chaos in the Bible, they represent death. We go down into the waters. We pass through the waters just like the Israelites. And as we come up out of the water, then we leave our oppression and our oppressors behind, just like the Israelites. And we're brought into new life. In Romans chapter 6 talks about this. Uh, and Paul says, We therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We may live a new life. And then Paul in Galatians, he says, The point of this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And now I wonder if you can relate to any of that or if you think what I said just then was crazy. So what I want you to do is to turn to a neighbor, turn to a friend and ask this simple question. Can you relate to the Israelites in Egypt? to that part of the story. Do you ever feel enslaved? Or when I use that language of being oppressed or trapped or somehow not fully free, can you relate to that? If so, how? Just a couple of minutes with the people around you. Go. So I think it's really interesting with the Israelites because there's this one moment of, of freedom. But then if you follow the story of Exodus, they, they, they leave the Red Sea and then they go into the desert. They go into the wilderness and they're told they're going to go to the promised land. But it takes them 40 years to get there. 40 years. And I think it speaks something of the fact that they were free of their, their literal oppressors. But many of them were still held captive by their lack of faith and by not trusting in God. And it took them 40 years of wandering around in the desert before they reached their true freedom. And I want to tell you a story about the year 2021. I had a pretty, pretty good year. It was a pretty life-changing year for me uh, for many reasons. Um, one reason is this, this picture that you see behind me. This is, I know, this is a storm radar from the, from the cloud, uh, from hurricane. Now, this is probably the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. And I, I wasn't expecting it to affect me the way that it did. But when we sat down for that scan, um, you're going through all sorts of things. But I finally saw this, this child. And these, you know, it's not a particularly incredible picture, is it? But I honestly, something inside me broke. 
And I just completely just started crying straight away. Just felt so overcome with love and pride for this child that I'd never met, um, who was just kind of conceptual at that point. And I'll come back to that in a minute because that was really quite a remarkable moment. But other than that, I wasn't having a great year because I was about to become a dad and I was in my final year of training to be a vicar. So I was about to become a literal father and like a, a religious father, as it were. And I was, uh, but I was weighed down by shame and I was weighed down by guilt because I'm someone who gets their value from doing, from being seen as being good at what they do. And the pressure and the weight of being a professional Christian and I'm going to be a dad and I don't know about you but I was thinking oh when I'll stop that bad habit when I become a dad or I'll stop that thing when I do this and I was like I'm about to become a dad and I'm about to become a vicar and like I'm still drinking too much when I see some of my friends or I'm still joining in with some jokes that I really shouldn't be joining in with or I'd fall to like a, a lustful thought here or there and just all these different things in life that were just weighing on me. And there's this layer after layer of, of shame because I'm pastoring people right now who are going through this and I'm supposed to hold it all together and I'm about to become a dad. I've got to hold it all together for my son. And just the weight of this just weighing on me again and again. And I just had this ingrained lie that I had to kind of perform or this imposter syndrome that was circling around in my heart. And then fast forward a few months, I was, um, I was at this summer conference called David's Tent, which is three days, and there's just a big tent, and just like a band like this, just singing for 72 hours. It's amazing. And I was there, and someone was praying for me. And they, just, they, knew, they knew who I was, they knew my story, and they just prayed a simple prayer, like, oh, I prayed, bless, bless Luke, um, his wife, Hannah, and bless his giggling little boy. And those three words broke me. You're giggling, little boy. Because I suddenly thought back to that moment of seeing that scan and imagining this, this child giggling. And the, the, the love in my heart for this giggling boy just was overflowing out of my heart. And I just felt the Lord say to me, Luke, you are my giggling little boy. You are my giggling little boy. And before, before this baby's even born, I will do anything for you. I would die for you. I will put my life on the line for you because you are mine. And in that moment, all the shame lifted off. All the fear lifted off. All the guilt lifted off. And I just was, I was crying for like two hours. It was so intense. I don't know what, I think this person was still trying to pray for me. I was just in another world. It's not everywhere. It's on the floor. And I just, it was a new, it was new life. It was new life for that moment. And I, I was like, I need to stop drinking for a year. Just felt convicted. I need to just change. And so many things in my life just, just changed in an instant because I felt so affirmed by God who spoke to me so clearly that day. I felt this freedom of breaking chains. And before that happened, I'd been baptized for 28 years before that happened. But baptism, it's not just about the moment. It's new life that we have available to us through Jesus. And whenever there's snow, the daffodils can come through. And I want to ask you a second question about what would it look like for you to feel fully free? 
What would freedom look like for you in this moment, in this season that you're in now? If the snow comes, what would those daffodils look like for you? What would freedom look like for your current situation? Go. Hopefully that was interesting conversation. It's a great question to ask yourself or, you know, people that you love and trust. You know, what those two things, like what, what do you feel trapped at the moment and what would it look like to be free? Because it's, although there is that moment like we experienced tonight, I just can't reiterate enough, this is a continue, it's a present continual thing until we go to the next life that, that we've got to continually remember our baptism and baptism, we do it in the church to celebrate people, but it's not just for the person being baptized, it's for all of us. It's a constant discipleship through this incredible recognition of what baptism is. Sam reminded me, I'm supposed to finish my giggling little boy story with, that's why we called him Isaac, because it means he laughs, as per the Bible. And he's a very giggly boy now. It's a beautiful thing. Um, but the invitation tonight, the invitation for all of us is to come and be free. It is for freedom that Christ sets us free. And when the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And the Spirit of the Lord is here. Free from the lies that you're not good enough. That God could meet everyone except me. Free from the comparison free from the self-medicating that we all do. Social media, different addictions, relationships, approval, achievement, money, power. The Lord who is enough is inviting each one of us into a journey from slavery to freedom, from chaos to order and from death to new life so I want to invite you to stand if you if you feel like it uh, we've got some cushions up the front here and there's lots of space at the back but I just want to challenge you I want to challenge you this evening and I want to invite you uh, into freedom and I want you to, to bring that to the Lord yourself um, and just ask God for freedom in an area and he'll, he will give it to you. He gives good gifts to those who ask him. And it might be that you want to come at the front and you might want to kneel down and let, like, give something to the Lord. You might need to go to the back and do some, some dancing. You want to lie on the floor. You might want to sit down where you are. You might want to just do nothing at all. Um, or sing out your praises. But I really believe the Lord wants to break some chains this evening. That he wants to remind us what baptism is all about. That it's a party, it's a celebration, it's about family. But it's about daffodils coming out of the snow. It's about new life. And it's about freedom. So I'm just going to pray a really simple prayer. that We've prayed a few times already. But Holy Spirit, would you come?